good morning. It is good to see y'all here this morning. Sorry, I forgot to have my mic on. I'm just making noises as I'm walking. Uh, anyway, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 14. I know we've got uh, a lot of guests with us here this morning. We as a church have been walking through the book of Acts now for a while. Uh, and this morning, uh, we will finish up the 14th chapter uh, of the book of Acts. And uh, this morning will be our last time or last for a we're taking a break from the book of Acts after this morning, and then we're going to, uh, next week is Mother's Day, uh, so dads, sons, kids, you got a week, uh, and so uh, anyway, next week's Mother's Day, uh, and then we'll do a couple standalone sermons, and then uh, in June, we will begin our summer uh, through the book of Psalms like we did last summer, just walk through uh, Psalms verse by verse again. Uh, and then we're praying through uh, where we'll head in the fall as far as Sunday morning, uh, what we'll be studying. And so, anyway, uh, also, uh, as way of announcements, is after following the service, uh, Liza Reed will be out in the foyer. Uh, and the reason she'll be out there is our next point team a couple weeks ago uh, put forward kind of the direction we're headed as the church, and we voted to uh, approve that for them to continue in that direction. But we also mentioned how there will be moments or times of fundraising and different events that we do to help, obviously, pay for where God is leading us. And so she will be in the foyer after the service. If you have any desire, gifting, you love raising money in creative ways. If you would like to volunteer, be on the fundraising team. And so this is a team that the Next Point's kind of putting together. Uh, she'll be out there in the foyer. And so you can go talk to her more about that. She'll sign up and kind of contact anyway. Liza, is that sufficient? Okay. Thank you. Uh, and so anyway, she'll be out there. Uh, and so go see her after the service if you want to be a part of that team that helps us raise money uh, for in special events. And so anybody, everybody cool? Everybody good? All right. Acts chapter 14. Uh, this morning as I uh, finished up things and preparing uh, to, uh, to preach uh, this morning and I've been thinking about it was Senior Sunday, or did we still call it Baccalard or whatever, uh, when I was youth pastor, and that's what they always called it. And uh, since I was a youth pastor, we let Paul off the hook. All he had to do was just come up and read the things. When I was a youth pastor, and the youth pastor also had to preach on Sunday mornings that it was Senior Sunday. Uh, and so uh, I, I remember that, and uh, they would always, like even with our, our students, would always hear their, read their accomplishments and how smart they are and things like that. And Man, whenever I graduated, I always told people I was not the valedictorian uh, or the salutatorian or the historian. I was just thankful to be in the auditorium. Uh, and so, uh, and, uh, but congrats, graduates. We, uh, we're proud of you. And uh, anyway, Acts chapter 14. As we're wrapping this up, we'll finally, I say finally, we were coming to the close of the first missionary journey. And so I know it's been spread out over months, uh, but as a church, when we we're in chapter 13, now we're in 14, we have covered the complete first missionary journey, which took us a couple months. It took them 
somewhere north of two years, shy of three years. And so what we've done in a couple of months spans over almost a three-year time span from whenever they first left Antioch and Syria and returned uh, this morning. And so I'm excited about f- finishing this up. And let's read the passage in Acts chapter 14, beginning in verse 24 through 28. Listen, that's only a couple of verses. So some of y'all are thinking, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Now, usually I get the big chunky ones, but here we go. Uh, Acts chapter 14, verse 24 says, Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God has done with them. And how he opened the door of the faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. This is God's word. May he bless it and add favor to it. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your love for us. God, we pray as we we open your word that uh, the things we know not, God, that you'll teach us. And the things that we have not, as Alistair Bagg prays often, that the things we have not, you'll give us. And things we are, we, we're not doing that we should, that you'll give us the faith to do those. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, as we get to the text this morning, as I said, we're wrapping up the first missionary journey. And whenever you walk through this text, uh, first of all, it says that then they pass through. So whenever we, and when Luke ended last week, they stoned, uh, Paul had gotten stoned in Lystra. Uh, and then he, he, he woke up or whatever some people believe he may have. But anyway, he, he woke up and he went back and then they went to Derby, And then they began to kind of make their way back. But instead of just going, actually, we throw the map up, Luke, Josh. You gonna help me out here? Yeah, Josh got his laser pointer. Uh, see, Luke pulls out his own pocket. I got an assistant to do it. Uh, and so, anyway, and so they were in Derby last time we saw them, right? And so then they began to go back up to Lystra and Iconium. And when we left them last week, they were in Antioch and Pisidia. And so now scripture tells us that they come back over the Pamphylian mountains and they're getting Perga. Everybody with me? So that's really the first couple of verses. So now they're making their way back. Thank you, Josh. We didn't plan that. Uh, but anyway, it worked out. <laughs> I did plan the map. I forgot the laser pointer. But Josh, if you ever need a laser, Josh has just got one in his pocket. So anyway. MacGyver over there. Uh, anyway, so what we see is that now they're, they're, uh, they're, they're finishing up, they're heading back home, and they're kind of making the stops. And so along the way, uh, what we read last week is that they, they stopped and they strengthened and encouraged the churches there to continue in the faith. And I think it's always important for us to catch this. Uh, we don't, we, we've seen it a few times is that these missionaries, or even with Peter and the apostles, is that whenever they would, they would go and preach and people would would believe, it, usually anytime we see them have a second interaction with that group of people, they would always urge them to continue in the faith. Uh, that, that, that this conversion of the salvation wasn't just about them believing in Jesus, but they would continue to walk with Christ. And so as, they, as, as they're making their way back through, they urge them to continue. Uh, they encourage them by the word. They appoint elders. And then it says that they laid their hands on them and they committed them to the Lord. Then they go uh, through Pisidia down to Pamphylia. 
And it says, if you remember this a couple weeks ago, that whenever they first left Cyprus, they didn't stop in Perga. Scripture says they didn't stop in Perga, and that they went straight up to Antioch and Pisidia. And one of the reasons we mention that is that we think that maybe Paul was sick and he needed to get to higher elevations, but this is something that's really cool. Paul didn't preach in Perga the first time around, but on the way home, he stopped in Perga and made sure he preached the gospel, uh, which is pretty cool to think, like, leaving nothing undone. So as he's coming back through, he preaches into, he preaches to Perga, and then finally, they get down to Italia, and they sell over to Antioch. In the text this morning, I've just got a few points for you. And as I was walking through this, and I was thinking about the seniors in mind, but also in all of us totally. And there's four points, and they all begin with God. Because when we walk through this text, let me read it again, beginning in verse 26. Look at the partnership between God and the church. The partnership between God and the apostles. First of all, it says, uh, verse 26, And when they had sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. You see the partnership between they were commended to the grace of God for a work in which they fulfilled. That's what we've studied over the past few months is this work that had been fulfilled. Then watch again. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, what did they do? They declared all that God had done what? With them. And so this, there's this picture that you cannot unsee in the scriptures that in these couple of verses, even though it's a few, there's this obvious blaring truth that in, when it comes to spreading the gospel, it is the work of God in partnership with those who know him as their father. That in this idea of, of, of evangelism or missions or sharing the gospel, that it is the work of God in which he, he, he cooperates with or we cooperate with him, if you will, that he partners with us in this great commission. And so what I see in this text, beginning in verse 26, is number one, is that it is God who calls, equips, and sustains. We just go. Right, so when we read this, we get to verse 26, it says, they got back to Antioch where they had been commended to the grace of God. Verse 26 really serves as like a bracket or a bookend all of, from all the way back to chapter 13 and verse 2. Right, you remember when this all began is that the, 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 the church there in Antioch, that they were praying and fasting with one another. And then in verse 2 of chapter 13, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said what? Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work in which I have called them. And so now whenever they're returning to Antioch, what, they, what we're reminded, what Luke reminds us of is that it was God who called them to this work. That it was God through, as the church was worshiping and fasting together, that it was the God who had called them to do this work. And while the mission was not finished, their assignment was. And what I thought about this morning is that just like these apostles is that when we're saved, y'all, God calls us to partnership with him. When, we, when we're born again, whenever we, are, whenever we place our faith in Jesus, and I think you've heard this over and over again, is that whenever we name Jesus as Lord or we, we call him Lord of, of our life, it's not just a, uh, an identity thing or not just an eternal thing. that ultimately whenever we sign up to follow Jesus, he, he, en, he enlists us into his army. He, he calls us and he equips us and he sustains us. That's what we've seen. Listen to me. They finished the work. 
For the past two to three years, we've seen just in a couple chapters these ups and downs, these uh, John Mark leaving, sicknesses, stones, and what happened, being stoned, what happened, we understand that God had called them, he sustained them, he equipped them, and that ultimately all Christians, seniors, all of us who are sitting in who, who named the name of Jesus, God has called us all to be witnesses. You notice in Acts 1.8, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. He doesn't say you may be my witness or you could be my witness, but he says you will be my witness. It's, a, it's an imperative, like it's, it, it, you will be my witnesses. And I wrote it like this, that ultimately being a witness of Christ, it's not an option. That anyone who professes Jesus is witnessing to and for Jesus in some way, shape, or form. So if you profess, if we profess Christ, we're witnessing. We may be witnessing something else, but what if we profess Christ, the way that we live, the way that we share, we are professing in some sort. And here's the thing, is that it is God that we see in the scripture, it is God who calls us. And here's the good news for all of us, is that God calls us all to spread the gospel. What's the take home from Acts 13 and Acts 14? It is that God who calls us all to spread the gospel. It's not just a story where we're making a monument of Paul and Barnabas. It's not just a story in which we, man, look at what happened, is that when we read Acts chapter 13 and 14, and we have to believe, they listen to me, God has called us all to spread the gospel. That's the take home from the text, is that God has called us all to share this gospel. And God equips those he calls. So therefore, not only is the child of God, not only has God called you to spread the gospel, he has equipped you to spread the gospel. Man, how much do we see it in chapter 13 and 14, how much God equipped Paul and Barnabas to face whatever it is that they were going to face? They may not have may not knew they'd been equipped beforehand, but whenever time came, they were equipped with what they needed to perform, to finish the task in which God had called them to do. And so if you're a child of God, maybe you're not Paul and Barnabas, but whatever your name is, you're sitting in this room, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, he has called you to, to spread his gospel, and he's equipped you to do it. No matter how you feel, no matter how you know, deficient or lack of sufficiency to do so. However, you, you may be aware of, uh, of maybe you don't, you don't say all the right things. You don't look all the right parts. Listen to me. God has called you to spread his gospel and he's equipped you to do that very thing. He's given you a mouth to speak and a scripture to read and a Holy Spirit within you. He's equipped you to do the work in which he's called you to do. man we see in Acts chapter 13 14 on does God call and equip but he also sustains God sustains all who he sends and equips therefore he will sustain you and maybe somebody needs to be encouraged by that this morning maybe you've been looking at your life maybe we've been looking at Acts chapter 13 or 14 and we have a tendency to look at Paul and Barnabas and go man I'm not those guys like, let's be honest. Last week when Luke was preaching, right, he was teaching through, and they stone, they stone uh, Paul, and they drag him out thinking he's dead, and he wakes up, and the church is there. Like, what are we going to do? 
all, almost all of us would have said, we're bouncing. But what did Paul do? You know, he went back in the list and all of us probably look at it and go, I would have bounced. Right? But I want, I want to encourage you this morning. When God called you to salvation, he called you to be one who would spread his gospel. And not only did he call you to do that, he will equip you to do the very thing he's called you to do. So if he's calling you to, to have a conversation with a family member, if he's calling you to share the gospel in your workplace, if he's calling you to do this or do that, he, has, he, will, he already has and he will equip you to do the very thing he's called you to do. Two years prior to this day, Paul and Barnabas, all they knew is that they were told to go. They didn't know that probably they were going to have to hike over Taurus Mountains when they were sick. They probably didn't know that their compadre, John Mark, was going to go. But every time they stepped out on faith, God equipped them to do whatever it was that they faced. And man, did he sustain them. Man, did he sustain them. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but could you imagine the church two, three years prior to this sending off Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark? Maybe I'm seeing it like a movie, like they're sitting, I know they didn't have a church building, they're sitting outside the church building and they send them off to go sell off to Cyprus. And he's got these three guys who are just walking down, they're hop, skipping, jumping, they're zealous, they're excited, they're pumped. And this day comes, the church looks out and John Mark's not there. Then you got Paul and Barnabas coming, but they don't look the same as they did two or three years ago. Uh, uh, Paul's probably got scars and he's beat up and, and bruised. And he's, and he's listening to me, God has sustained them. And it's not just the truth for Paul and Barnabas, y'all. That it's the truth for you and me. That God's called you to be instruments messengers of his gospel he's equipped you to do it and he'll sustain you as you are so senior getting ready for life god's called you i don't know what he's called you to do as in a vocation but i know he's called you to spread his gospel and he will equip you and sustain you in that work and not just for these but everybody sitting in here the truth is the same he made it to antioch the place in which they had commended by the grace of God to the work that they had fulfilled. Secondly, God accomplishes his purposes. We just submit to his hand. There's this partnership I'm talking about, this partnership that we see. First of all, is that God who calls, he's the one who equips, he sustains, we just go. Secondly, he accomplishes his purposes and we just submit to his hand. Oftentimes, we get stunned in doing what God's called us to do because we're trying to figure out how those things are going to be accomplished. Right? Like, think about it, if God's called you to, to share the gospel in your workplace. You've already begun to think about, I don't know how that's going to happen. What is that? We're analyzing how God's going to accomplish his purposes. We're not called to know how he's going to accomplish those purposes. We're called to be a tool in his hand. And that's what we see with these guys. And it's really important that we see it in verse 27. It says, so when they arrived and gathered the church together, here it is. These, these heroes, they've been gone for two to three years. They, they get the church, the same church that, that sent them out years earlier, the same church that laid hands on them and hated to lose them, but they had to send them off. Now they've gathered together. Notice what Paul and Barnabas did not do. 
They didn't ask for some badge of honor or a plaque in their name or a statue outside the church. They said, when they gathered them all together, they declared all that God had done with them. They testified to the grace of God to accomplish what he sent them to do. First of all, it says that they declared all that God had done with them. And this word with them is literally, uh, he threw them. It's, it literally gives an imagery as in God did something and used them as the tools in which he did it with. You get in that picture as in God's accomplishing his purposes. What did Paul and Barnabas, they were just the tools in which he did it. God wanted to get the gospel to Cyprus. How did he do it? He did, he did it through Paul and Barnabas. He wanted to get Antioch, Pisidia. He wanted churches formed there. Then how did he do it? He did it through these tools. First of all, it says that, that they declare to the church what God had done with them or through them. He used them as tools in his hand. Sometimes they were chisels and sometimes they were like band-aids. Sometimes they were hammers and sometimes they were just open arms. But the picture is, is that God called them to a purpose. He accomplished his purposes through them, not because of them, but through them as they submitted to his hand. There were times that evidently Paul stood up in a Jewish synagogue and told them, with a sharp chisel with accuracy, this is what the Old Testament stands for. This is what the King David, this is what it is Christ Jesus in which you've missed him. There were times that there was a lame man that they didn't speak stern to him. They offered a hand to help up. What we see is that they were hands in the, or they were tools in the hands of God. They got to use them. Can you imagine what they've done in the, this two chapters preaching in synagogues, the crazy experience with Bar-Jesus and the saving of the proconsul, the departure of John Mark, crossing the Taurus Mountains. How God opened the door in the synagogue to Antioch Pisidia to preach, that many trusted and the churches were being formed, that, that when they got to Iconium, there's a great number of Jews and Greeks that believed. Then when they got to Lystra, there's this lame man which led to them being worshipped and Paul being stoned. Can you imagine the church hearing this for the first time? You got stoned. What did you do? Did you, did you bet? No, I, I went back. I went back in there. Churches are being formed. Elders are being appointed. And the Lord was faithful. They gave testify. They reported back to the churches. Listen to me. Man, God has done a work. And he just chose to use us. And God's plan and his purpose and his mission we're testifying what the Lord has done with us, through us. Secondly, they testified, they gave, they declared not only what the Lord had done with them, but how he opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And I'm thankful he opened that door, by the way. God accomplishes his purposes. I hope y'all see this, is that this was God's purposes and he accomplished it. And all it took was just two guys saying, I'll be the chisel if I need to be. I'll be the tool, whatever the tool our father needs, I will be that tool in his hand. They submitted, even when John Mark left. 
We're still going to, we're still going to keep going. Even when they were run out of the synagogues and they run out of Antioch, they, they said, you know what, we're going to, we're going to keep being, we're going to keep being tools. We're just going to continue to submit or we, the, our, <laughs> our circumstances may not be favorable to us. I think, and I'm going to get ahead of myself again, but whenever they were in Derby or when they were going through all the churches and, and Paul reminded them that many, through many tribulations we entered the kingdom, I think he's probably thinking through his journey for the past two to three years to where it's never been really a favorable situation. Yet he still remained as a tool in his father, their father's hand. Notice who he said opened the door and how he, how God opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. God, I thought about this this morning, that God opened a door that the Gentiles weren't even knocking on. We see God accomplishing his purposes that he sent Paul and Barnabas to preach the gospel whenever he sent them to preach the gospel what it was is there was once this door that was stood between ultimately all people but between Gentiles and God this door of, of, of sinfulness and holiness this, 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 this of evil and righteousness of idolatry and and the one true living God, and when God sent these messengers to go preach this gospel in Gentile lands, it was as if God said, come on in. That God opened the door to the, Jew, uh, to the Gentiles through the preaching of the gospel. God, his purposes was to get the gospel to the Gentiles. And they declared he did it. He accomplished his purposes. He did it. We did it. And they had every opportunity, just like they did in Lystra, to receive the glory and the praise. And they said, listen to me. He did it. This morning, Christian, will you submit to be the tool, whatever tool the Father needs? Will you submit to his hand? He accomplishes his purposes through partnership of willing servants who submit to his hand. I'm reminded that to like the clay in the potter's hand as the potter is doing his work and the clay is being formed it may be pressure on one side and it may be difficult, it may be ugly, he may have to start over, but there's this constant work and that the clay is always in submission to the potter's hand. Child of God, what, what is keeping you, what is keeping me from truly submitting our lives to the Father's hand? to be used by which, however in which he's calling us. You say, Justin, I'm, I'm a nobody. That makes two of us. I don't have, I'm not eloquent. I don't have all the gifting. I don't have all the knowledge. 
I wasn't raised in church. You don't know the sin I have in my past. I don't. I don't at all. We are a bunch of nobodies, but we're in the hands of the great I am. He can use us to accomplish his purposes. And I'm thankful that my inadequacies and my struggles don't disqualify me from being used by the great I am, the one who's stronger than than all. God calls, equips, and sustains, and we go. And as we go, he accomplishes his purposes as long as we remain submitted to his hand. Thirdly, and I don't have to say much on this, is this, God receives the glory, not us. Right? They didn't, like, uh, they didn't get everybody together. And let me tell you what we did. Let me tell you about how, how tough Paul is. We thought he was dead, dude. But he's just got some awesome strength and just got back up. They didn't even, they may have, but it's not recorded. They didn't even badmouth John Mark. They declared what God had done. That God sends us to share the gospel, to spread the gospel. He equips us. He sustains us. He accomplishes his purposes. You know what his purposes is? Not our happiness, not our goodness, but his glory. Not even us, whatever, it's his glory. And the byproduct, when he's glorified in my life, that's the most joy I'd experience anyway. Life isn't about getting applause, it's about living for his glory. Fourthly, and I'll be wrapping up. You're welcome. Not only does God call, equip, and sustain and accomplishes his purpose as we submit for his own glory, God gets those who are his home. Obviously, they came back home, their home church, which they were serving in, but I think I even see a greater picture in this text. I may be reading into it a little bit, but that's okay. I've got the mic. You don't got to listen to me. And get on to me after I get done. But it says this. And they remain no little time with the disciples. I'll be honest with you. This is how not smart I am. When I first read that, I was like, so were they there a long time or not? So you read no translation, they stayed there a long time. I mean, why, why does it have to be no little time? Anyway. They've been out for two, three years. They get back to their church, and they just stay there for a long time. That's what the verse tells us. It doesn't give us a whole lot more. They just stay there for a long time. And could you imagine this scene? Like I said, I got ahead of myself, but three years early, two years earlier, these guys set out healthy, excited, younger, and now picture them returning, men, a man down, beaten and bruised. And where do they go to? It went to God's people. And in one sense, there's this picture of heaven, I'm for sure. And in chapter 14, verse 22, again, when Paul tells the churches that, that we must go, 
through many tribulations to enter the kingdom of God. And I want you to see this picture that, that ultimately one day that, that those who God has called, those who he sustained for a lifetime, those who he's equipped and accomplished his purposes through for the glory of his name, one day he will get them home. That one day, our, our, like, just like their task at the time was done, and they went home, one day ours will be done as well. There will be a day that our journey is over, that God will get us home. But let me tell you this. I will submit to you today that until that day comes, and listen to me, hear me, child of God, and teenagers, hear me this. The church is our greatest place of refuge in this life. There will be a day that, <laughs> that like, we will have our, like, the idea of God being our refuge won't just be this invisible, like, we will be in the presence of God. And as we've been fighting this battle called the Christian life, whenever we've been, we've been carrying the torch or the sword, the flag of, of our Savior's glory, spreading the gospel all over the earth, there will be a day in which that battle is over and we will go home and King Jesus will reign forever. There will be no more pain. There will be no more confusion or despair or struggle that, that justice and righteousness will prevail, that the pain will be away. But listen to me, until that day comes and we're waging this war and spreading the gospel, our greatest refuge is the very church of Jesus Christ. That church isn't just about what I can come in on Sunday mornings and I had a bad Saturday and I need a spiritual pep rally. I need a spiritual pick-me-up. It isn't just about, Justin, give me something good because I'm bored. Church is about that the, the saints have been living from, from Sunday afternoon through Saturday night, spreading the gospel and, 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 and carrying the torch, if you will, that we've been living the life. And then on Sunday mornings, we retreat back into our refuge to be refueled, to be refilled so that we can hit another week for the glory of the Lord. The Sunday mornings isn't just about me and mine and what I want, but it's about the church coming together to retreat together, to, to catch a breath together, to breathe heaven together, that we can join and love and commune with one another so that we can be better in the fight of spreading the gospel. The worst thing that we can do is to isolate ourselves from the people of God. Because they serve such, we serve for one another just a, a much greater purpose than just having friends. We share this often. This is eternal bonds that we are, that we are developing and investing in. And we spend so much time elsewhere in, in the secular world in which we, we connect and we socialize. And those things are great. But when it comes to these are eternal relationships we invest into. And it isn't just about companions. It's about, man, we are fighting this fight together. And we're carrying the torch together. And I need Sunday mornings and you need Sunday mornings. I'm not saying that every week we're going to hit home runs. Many, many days, it's going, many times it's going to be like, I do need to come in and hear a word from the Lord because I haven't heard him. Sundays is about church, the church gathering. 
to celebrate what God has been doing in their life, to love on one another, to be a refuge for one another. And I see that for the disciples here, the apostles here, as they return back to Antioch. And I'm sure they continue to serve. And not too long after this, this idea that God opened the door of faith to the Gentiles and get back to Jerusalem, evidently they hadn't heard it yet. And chapter 15 is going to come and they're going to have a conniption. But right now they go back to their people. They're the refuge, if you will. When life has been hard, go to the church. When you're tired from battle, go to the church. When you're spent for the glory of the Lord, then go to church. And ultimately, when we all have been spent for the glory of God, God will bring us home to himself. And until that, they keep sharing the good news of Jesus. Until that, they keep walking, keep trusting, keep praying, keep striving. And on that one, there will be a day that our task will be complete, just like theirs was, but ultimately our task will be complete and we will hear the words that our hearts should long to hear, well done, my good and faithful servants. This may be something you've heard before, but maybe you're not familiar with where that, idea, that, that words come from. I'm going with this. I guess Luke, wherever you are, Campbell, you can go ahead and come up. In Matthew chapter 25 is one of the parables of Jesus. So Justin, where does, the, where does this land the plane for us? Give me something. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is given a parable of the talents in which he gives, he's talking about a master who gives certain talents to servants for them to be faithful while he's gone. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, we read this. It's going to come on the screen. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Look at this. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. And check this out. Enter into the joy of your master. Man, <laughs> could the hopes and desires of the Christian life be summed up any better than that? Well done, my faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Like. <laughs> That's, that's the aim. That's the desire. But notice what precedes the well done is that he was faithful with the little. As in his master had entrusted him something small and he was faithful with what he had been entrusted with. Everybody with me? How does this land the plane? Let's just follow me. He had been faithful with what he little he had been given. He was faithful over a little. And as a result, the master says, well done. Enter into the joy of your master. And this, but I would submit church that this should be the longing of our hearts to hear our master say these words to us. Well done. Enter into the joy of your master. And like this servant, we should want to be faithful with the little that we've been entrusted with. We want to be faithful with the goodness and the grace and the talents and the resources and time and everything that he's entrusted to us. And what I believe is that when we do, we will find great joy in our Lord and Master. 
whenever we become faithful with the time that he gives us and the resources that he gives us and the, the gifts and the talents, whenever we become faithful and what we've been entrusted to for the glory of the Lord, man, we will experience so much greater joy. Like as the idea of like, I've come so that you can have life and life to the fullest or this idea of like springs of life and this joy you see of the fruit of the spirit. And let's be honest, for, for some of us, I would say all of us, but some of us are actually honest enough to confess it. So some of us, we would say, we read those things and we know them to be true, but a lot of times I'm not walking around all blubbly, joyful. I'm not necessarily clicking on all cylinders. And I'm gonna point the finger at myself here. Maybe I don't experience as much joy in the Lord is because maybe we haven't been faithful with what he's entrusted us with. And that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a hard word. That's gonna be a sharp word for us. But this idea that coming to faith in Jesus and just faith in Jesus is gonna produce the joy of the Lord. And yes, in one sense it does. But the idea that I'm just going to come to faith in Jesus and it's going to be the, I'm, I'm actually going to experience the greatest life possible. What did Paul tell the church? You're going to have to go through many tribulations to enter the kingdom. If anybody teaches something contrary to that, turn them off. But the picture is, I believe that there's much joy. I guess say, we leave much joy to be experienced for a lack of actually serving and being faithful to which with what he has entrusted us with. As in there's actually joy in being submissive to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Everybody with me? Like there's, actually, there's actually joy to be found when I'm not the boss of my own life. There's actually freedom and joy that we can experience whenever I actually do say, God, whatever you need, here's my checkbook, here's my family, here's this, here's that, whatever you need, I'm just your hand. That's where the joy is. The joy isn't in me trying to accomplish and figure everything out. The joy is in me being submissive and surrendering to the will of the Father and let him accomplish his purposes. Am I preaching to somebody this morning like that? That's where the joy is, this joy that we're looking for, this joy that our heart's desire is, this joy that, that's long, that we're longing for that we don't even know we are. It's found when we're connected to the Lord and we're serving Him. And until we as a church, until we as followers of Jesus, literally not just submit to him and say, Lord, I want to go to heaven, but Lord, you're the Lord of my life. Until we do that, we're going to be missing out on a lot of joy. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. What does this look like in your life today and in my life today? How can we live this week in such a way that, I got to read this, that we lay our head down on our pillow tonight and experience this joy of our master saying, well done. What does that look like for mine in your life today? Because I do want you to know this, being a, being a father of Jesus is about serving our master. It's about 
me decreasing and him increasing. It's about whatever he calls, I say yes to. May we be found to be faithful with the opportunities, responsibilities, the resources, the time, the money, the attention. May we live each each day in a way that we are faithful for what he has entrusted us with. May we lay down at night and experience the joy of our master, then rise the next day to do the same. May we wake up tomorrow morning and look at the grace in which we've been entrusted with and pray, God, by your grace, I want to be faithful. I want to be a good servant today. I want to steward it well. All the grace you've given me for your glory in my life. And when we do, we will enjoy his grace and be a steward for his glory. If you name the name of Jesus this morning, he has called you, he will equip you, and he will sustain you. Just go. And as you're going, listen to me, he will accomplish his purposes. Just submit. And he's going to do it for his glory. And in the meantime, here's the good news. Let's bring it all home. Here's the good news. You're not the only one he's calling to do that. There's 200 other people that share the same church as you. That They're doing the same thing on the weekdays and Every day they're going out, the intent is that he's calling us to go and share the gospel, to spread the good news. And the next Sunday, all those other people he's doing that to, they're going to come back together again. And they're going to worship and they're going to pray and they're going to sing songs. They're going to sit under the word and God's going to, to do work. And then the next day, they're going to go back out again. That's the beautiful thing about the church is that it's not just you that he's calling to. There's other people going to do the same thing. And it's called the body of Christ. And you've committed to it at Cross Point Church. Well, how, how can I see, you know, where, where God's calling me? Well, what job has he entrusted you with? What kids has he entrusted you with? What time has he entrusted you with? What finances has he entrusted you with? Because that is where he's called you to make much of him. It's easy. It's like, it's not rocket scientists figure it out. It's what has he entrusted you with? What has he given you as a blessing? Well, that, that blessing is given you so that you can bless him in return. Don't try to make muddy what God's made clear, what he's entrusted you with. And whatever he's entrusted you with, that's what he's given you to make much of him. Let's be obedient to that church. Amen. I need a heartier amen than that. Amen? Amen. All right. I'm going to pray. I'll be standing in the back. If you need to talk or pray through anything, Luke will be back there as well. Uh, Thank you so much. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you for your word. God, we just pray that your Holy Spirit will take it and speak to hearts. 
God, I thank you for your word that we can look at guys like Paul and Barnabas at the church at Antioch, this church who, is, who would sacrifice their best to reach the world, that would receive them, to encourage them, to love on them. But God, I thank you that you're the, still the same God today as you were in Acts chapter 14, that you're still calling churches to send people. You're still calling members to go. God, I pray that you will use our time in the book of Acts to maybe even call someone out of our congregation to go plant churches, to go to another country, to, to, to go into, like, God, we pray that as you call people to maybe even vocational ministry, God, they'd be obedient. But God, we understand that each one of us who profess your son, you have called us to spread your gospel. God, we thank you that we can look through this couple chapters and see that how did you call them, but you, you were there all along, making it happen. So God, whatever stress or pressure or fear we have of being obedient to you, may your scripture trump that fear and we just submit to you. God, teach us, help us be faithful to what you, with what you've entrusted us with. It's in Christ's name, amen.